Welcome to Do I Need My Racket podcast, brought to you by In Her Name Foundation. I am Cindy Swain, your host and founder and president of In Her Name Foundation. This is episode number two, Hannah's story. Hannah is a senior in high school, and I am her high school tennis coach. This past June of 2022, Hannah was at tennis camp among several other high school players. I had divided everyone up into doubles teams for some match play. Hannah was talking, laughing, and reminding her younger brother Kiernan where he needed to be on the court to play doubles. Suddenly, Hannah started screaming and running in circles. This was it, I thought to myself. What I'd talked about, read about, and planned for, but yet experienced with her. Hannah was having a grand mal seizure, and the brain stimulator was sending a shock to her that causes her to scream. It's how she tells those around her, I need you. I need your help. I ran to her, caught her in my arms, lowered her to the court surface. Hannah lost consciousness. Her arms and legs began moving with involuntary muscle spasms. I've got you, Hannah, I kept repeating. Everything will be okay, hoping somehow she could hear me. As I held her in my arms, I got a glimpse of her soul. It radiated with strength, resolve, and beauty. As I looked into her eyes, I could see her, and even though she maybe couldn't see me, she was weaving yet another bright, colorful, loving thread to her tapestry of life. Hannah lives every day without fear or trepidation, knowing at any moment she may have a life-threatening grand mal seizure. Her teammates always say, Hannah never stops trying. She gets to everything. She gets to balls many think are beyond her reach. But that is Hannah. She constantly is reaching within herself to go beyond herself. That day, this past June, Hannah did just that. As she continues to weave her tapestry with unconditional love, Hannah added another thread to mine, and for that, I am forever grateful. Today I have with me some special guests, Hannah Bradford. Hi. And her mother, Sarah Bradford. Hi. Um, Hannah, I got to know uh, about a year ago, and she's an absolutely amazing young woman. And I first met her through coaching tennis. Um, You came to some summer workouts, and I got to know you last summer. That would have been July of 2021, so we've known each other over a year now. I had the pleasure of coaching you on the Lansing Catholic tennis team this past spring season. But before, Hannah, I met you, um, when I introduced myself as the new tennis coach, your mom sent me a really heartfelt, detailed email giving me a background on your health history and some really important things that I needed to know for your health and safety while you're out playing tennis. A couple of those were, one, you have to wear a magnet on your shoe, right? Yeah. Um, and you also have rescue medications that you carry with you in the backpack all day long, right? When you're at school and everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that magnet. And I know 
I ha- you have to check in with me before practice starts because you wear that magnet in case you have a seizure. Is that correct? Yep. And then if you have one, what, what, is, what is a person supposed to do with that magnet? So if I have a seizure, they're supposed to wave the magnet over the device in my chest. It's right over my collarbone. Mm-hmm. And then that helps the seizure go away, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then if that doesn't work, then we go to your bag and get some special medication for you to take. Yeah, and that's usually if it lasts longer than five minutes. Okay, so. okay. So I got this information before I even met you from your mom, which I thought was pretty amazing because my first thought was, wow, if this kid's in high school and eligible to play tennis, she must be a good student. And you must be really tenacious and strong-willed to have fought through all of those things you fought through. So that was my first impression before I even met you. And, and not only are you strong-willed and tenacious just, just as a person, that comes out when you're on the tennis court as well. Because, you know, Hannah, you played on the number three doubles team varsity all season this year, didn't you? Yes. And you guys did well. You won the league, your, yeah. your flight. Um, and had a really good record uh, in the regular season in the league, too. So pretty impressive stuff. Let's just talk to your mom for just a little bit about, um, do, you, do you remember the email you sent me to kind of give me the background of what happened to her and why she has a seizure disorder? Or like you call it, she has epilepsy and yeah. then has seizures. Yeah, so I think we've learned um, as Hannah's parents that um, we want her to fully participate in everything she wants to. Um, And that just means that we need to advocate ahead of time everything that needs to be done so that she can, so that it doesn't disrupt her ability to completely participate. But also just, uh, I believe my email probably was like every email I send anybody (laughs) that uh, is involved in Hannah's life. And that is basically a little backstory about her. Um, yeah, tell, tell us about that yeah. backstory. Yeah, so Hannah um, was born full term, pretty normal pregnancy. Everything was great. She was our, she's our oldest. She's our first. And uh, but when she was born, we quickly realized uh, that something was wrong. She stopped breathing um, a few hours after birth, and quickly determined that she had had a stroke prior to birth. Was this stroke pretty close right before she was born or, or sometime you're not for certain? Yeah, they're not able to easily pinpoint it, but they think even up to five weeks prior to birth, there was no trauma. It's more uh, likened to something, some cell did not split properly, and uh, that is the outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's missing an eighth of her brain as well. And so that her residual from all of that is uh, epilepsy is one of the residual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, an undiagnosed cognitive impairment, which just means slow processing speed. Yeah. So, so when you when she was first born, how, how I bet that was pretty scary getting that information about all of that. Like as a first time parent, I can't imagine I have, you know, a mother of three as well. And, you know, what did, what did you do? What was your first reaction to that? Yeah, so we did a lot of praying. Um, and, I bet. Uh, I'm sure you did. Yeah. And uh, also, we, we lived here in uh, Michigan. Family was far away. Uh, so we called in friend, uh, family to hurry and get here because it, the, it, she was so critical. 
So you didn't even know for sure if she's going to make it. Correct. Yes. The The chance of her making it was about 50% at that point. And this was maybe 12 hours after birth. After birth. Yeah. Okay. She had, well, at the time they call them apneic episodes, but they are indeed seizure activity. Hundreds, hundreds in the first few days. Wow. Um, so many that her organs are at risk because there's so much time without oxygen in an infant that otherwise she's healthy. So the concern becomes, how do we get her to stop seizing, basically? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they put her in a medically induced coma and put her on a ventilator to stop the seizure. And then how, how long was she on that then? After yeah, birth? so that's to, because she was still bleeding from the stroke, and that's why, and it's a, it's quite common, I think, that the, it would bleed for quite a while. So she was ventilated for a full week, um, and in that medically induced coma with seizure meds to basically stop that activity. Okay. Hannah, what's going through your mind right now when you hear all that? Well, I've never really heard that in detail, so... Mm-hmm. Is that kind of kind of scary a little bit, or just... Uh, it's sort of scary, but, I mean, that was in the past, so mm-hmm. I don't really have to think about that sure. anymore. Sure, sure, sure. So then after that, then where did you go after she was off the ventilator, took her home, and, and, and how did her development follow after that? Yeah, so she the, the diagnosis was the epilepsy as the residual, and then just a lot of, well, a lot of unknowns. So 95% chance of uh, cerebral palsy, probably not going to walk, maybe not talk. We didn't know what to expect. I so. know that, that, that Hannah has mentioned that, that she's, you know, beat all the odds that they never thought I'd walk or talk. Yeah. And she plays varsity tennis on a high school tennis team, which I think is pretty incredible. I believe she's spent all of her time proving everybody wrong her whole so. life. And, <laughs> and I think, she, you know, Hannah, right, you're going to continue to do that. Prove everybody wrong. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, so then as you kind of got into the toddler years, what did you notice? Did, did she just started picking things up and, 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 you know, proving people wrong right off the bat? Well, we had her in every therapy possible. You uh, are very concerned to make sure you offer everything possible to make sure this kid gets a great start. So, right. um, so yeah, every therapy. And then uh, she walked at 11 months. So she went ahead and decided to show off. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then it talked so early being first in a girl i think she had so much going for her she just wanted to tell everybody about she it she had a lot to say yeah. yeah right you liked it you're a talker hannah i really am yeah you are <laughs> yeah that's what i like about you though i always know what's going on yeah so you're walking and talking like a normal 11 12 month old little girl right and you're you're moving right along so the, the question i have through all this hannah that I've thought of over and over is what, what's it like for you to have to live with seizures that you just don't know when the next one might happen? Well, it's kind of like when I was younger, it seemed like it wasn't very hard because, I mean, my parents are like, like always there mm-hmm. and it's like I'm younger, so I have to be watched kind of like everyone else my age mm-hmm. now it's kind of I feel like harder to accept because like I know there's a lot of people who can like drive and go out by themselves and do all these things and I can't really do that 
Yeah, but you're also hopeful of that because I think I had a conversation with you recently that, you know, if you have a, what did you tell me? If you, you, you don't have a seizure for how long, then you might be able to take driver's training? Well, which your parents said? about two years, mm-hmm. I can maybe start. Mm-hmm. But that's also something I'm very uncertain about. Even if I make that, because I think I heard that my youth group leader made it somewhat that long, mm-hmm. and then she had one. Mm. So then I think about, well, what if that could happen to me? Sure, sure. Well, you had mentioned earlier, you know, I talked about being, you know, this tenacious, just strong-willed, give everything you've got tennis player on the court. I mean, I, I never, ever had to ask Hannah for more. I mean, she she gives it all. And... But I also know that, talking to your mom, that you're also a really good student and you have to really work hard to do that. So tell us a little bit about what you have to go through to just get ready for your day so that you can, you can be a good student. Well, I have to take a lot of medications every morning. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not very hard because it's a daily thing. Um, but... Sometimes it takes me a little while to get into focus and be able to start the day off. I've had like math class first hour before, and that was kind of hard because mm-hmm. I have to get into focus. Sure. And does it take a while sometimes for those medications to start working? Is that what takes takes you to get get the focus? Yeah. To get going. Yeah. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit more about the background, about what her her daily routine is like getting ready to, to go or having to go to school. or Well, that's evolved over time. So, like, when she was younger, yeah, I felt like we had some accommodations in place, quality over quantity, that kind of work in the classroom just to give her brain breaks because like any TBI or you, you need breaks. Right. You need to have a, they get neuro fatigue or overstimulation and you need to have a break or a room where they can go where there's just not anything going on for a yeah. little while. Sure. Yeah. And, and then just with her history, executive functioning skills are, have to be taught um, and then repeated over and over so they become long-term memory. So we worked super hard at that. Um, so and just a, a executive functioning, just so people understand what that is, just yeah. explain that just a minute. Yeah. So executive fun- functioning, meaning the ability to organize, the ability to keep track of what you need to do next, um, being able to complete a project needs to be broken down for someone like that mm-hmm. um, or someone like her, I should say. Just lots of uh, the organizational piece of our life that we naturally start to learn as we go through school um, needs, basically we talk about, we need to teach everything mm-hmm. because it doesn't come natural until you, until you learn it right. and practice it. Now that she's kind of progressed onto the high school years, do you find you're still having to do that with her on a daily basis or is it, is it more automatic? Now? Not at all. She took off. And she handles everything on her own now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I see that on a tennis court. I know she can make decisions. She can problem solve, keep track of the score, keep track of, you know, you play doubles, which is a more complicated because you have to know where to stand on the court. And there's more people involved in the serving rotation. That's a, That speaks highly. Um, how do you feel about where you're at with school right now? Well, I mean, I think I'm in a good place. I know that sometimes it's still 
really hard to understand things, especially like with like math. I've always struggled. I know a lot of times like the teacher would explain it the first time and then I would always have to get it explained again Mm -hmm. because it doesn't come very quickly. And sometimes that happens with other subjects too. Maybe like science or especially reading comprehension has always been hard mm-hmm. too. What, what's your what's your favorite subject or best subject you like to study? It kind of depends. Sometimes I've really liked science because I'm also someone very curious. So I like, like I'll always like ask questions like, why does this happen or how does this work? Mm-hmm. But sometimes when things are really challenging, I like the easier ones. So maybe English sometimes could be easy. Or I also really like music. I've always liked singing and especially choir. So you're in the high school choir? Well, I used to be, but I kind of changed it up. Okay. But you did tell me, do you play, you play piano, right? Yes, I play piano. I've played for a pretty long time and... I'm kind of playing it on my own right now. I don't really have a teacher, but it's it's working out. Yeah. Do you find sometimes when you listen to music or play music that your thoughts just kind of flow a little bit easier than having to do all that problem-solving thinking? Uh, actually, one really unique thing is I remember when I was in elementary, there was a teacher who would always make uh, le- things that you learn and made it into songs Mm -hmm. so it's always kind of stuck with me that like music helps me remember things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. some kids um you know with similar deficits as you music and rhythm and associating that with motor movements and putting my physical therapy hat on here does help with the learning process and you know i used to work with some young children that way and it really does help Let's have a listen of Hannah playing the piano. So back to you, Sarah. Now that you've seen Hannah be so successful, although she still has her things that she struggles with, do you sometimes just sit back in awe and look at her and say, wow? Yes. Yeah. Where it almost feels like it was a different child because of the, you know, we, my husband and I both, we just say, you know, like this is so much, look how far we've come. And, yeah. you know, there's constantly new hurdles um, and things that we have to uh, overcome. Um, and, and epilepsy is an evolving disease. So you're, you're in your life and as you grow, things change dramatically, but yeah, she continues to wow us. Um, and, uh, we're so blessed and thankful to have her in our life and, uh, we'll work with her on whatever goals and dreams she has. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you, she's an absolute treat to have on the tennis team because I never have to ask her to do any more than what she can do. She'll always give you more for sure. So I just wanted to talk a little bit more about the seizures because I did have an experience with you last summer for the first time. And I think you had related to me that you'd never had a seizure at tennis before until last summer. So it was a bit surprising, but fortunately I was there when it started 
and caught you before you fell onto the concrete surface. Um, your brother Kiernan was there. We got the magnet. We put that over your collarbone. Things started to calm down a little bit. But it was so hot outside that once you settled down some, we carried you inside where it was cooler. The question I have is, tell us about the seizures that you have, because they're called grand mal seizures, and those are a little bit different, because some seizures are small, they're called petite, there's different names for petite mal, I think is one, where they're not noticeable. Somebody might have a seizure and they're sitting in class and they might blink their eyes a few times. But yours are much different than that. So talk us through what a grand mal seizure is. Well, a grand mal seizure is the worst kind of seizure. And you'll fall down. Now, from Mm -hmm. my experience, um, I am very grateful that I've always been caught and everyone I've had, because I know Every time I have a grand mal seizure, it's like if someone's not there, it's very life-threatening. It could be. Um, yeah, I was just, I had been working with some kids on another court and just turned around and was walking towards you when it started. And you started to kind of circle around and I caught you in my arms. We lowered you to the to the court surface. And yeah, because a grand mal, from what I've read, you know, lasts anywhere from two to three minutes and it starts with you lose consciousness and you have motor muscle convulsions, which, you know, can be anything where your arms and legs get stiff or they move around all over the place. So there's quite a bit of movement involved with it. And I think the biggest job is to just to keep you safe and tell you it, it passes. So, Sarah, do you have anything more to add about the grand mall? Yeah, unfortunately, like, they have progressed to this. We started with much smaller. She was diagnosed with complex partial. Um, so we used to just have absence where she would all of a sudden lock, like we said, lock left. She would just stare left. Um, mm-hmm. Most of her damage is on the right side of her brain, so it affects your left. She would maybe twitch her arm, blink her eyes, uh, make smacking sounds with her mouth. Now they've progressed to these grand mall, which are unfortunately less controllable. And yeah, can you can drop uh, at any point. Her seizures have changed dramatically in that there is a slight warning since we had the vagus nerve stimulator implanted. When that changed for us is because now she can verbally warn. She doesn't know they're coming, but she makes an audible noise which alerts those around her. That's what I heard. Yeah. 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 I heard her. It's almost like, yeah, I heard her a scream and I knew something was wrong and I went immediately over there. I was on my way anyway, but yeah. And when that happened, my son happened to be there too, since it was a summer camp Yes, um, and he plays tennis as well. And he had glanced over because he heard her make a noise too. Uh, my kids, my other two kids are very well trained um, yeah. and know what to do. Yes. So he, he had it that way too. Yeah. He was there at my side and we, we got it taken and then he helped, uh, we got it to under control and then he helped carry you inside because we think that maybe if she gets overheated, that might be one thing that causes that. So, so a little cooler inside. Yeah, yeah. A little cooler inside. Yep. How frequently do you have those? I mean, I, I know they're, they're not predictable, but you had, you told me last week that you'd had one in school recently, and that was the first one you'd had since last summer when I was with you. Yeah. So I think every year is different. Um, but sometimes like you, 
sometimes there's not really a pattern and other times sometimes it seems like a pattern so maybe every two to three months in between the one between at tennis and and at school mm-hmm. is there you know we we know probably because the heat kind of gets you is there anything else that kind of that you know of that really sets it off that kind of because i think we one time mentioned you know a lot of noise in an enclosed space like gyms when we had you know rain out workouts in the gym you know sometimes like that is there anything else that you know of that might interfere with i don't know if those I know sometimes you would think that those moments where I'd have to go sit down because it was the noise, the drama at the same time was way too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I feel like those are a little bit different from seizures though. It's just, it's, I feel that has to do a lot with like the part where it takes me time to like get things in the process to process things. Right. Right. But I don't think that necessarily leads to seizures. Okay. Okay. We've logged every seizure yeah. that we've been able to witness or mm-hmm. um, we've written down every possible, uh, you know, thing, scenario that's going on at that time to try to develop a pattern. Um, my husband's into statistics. We've mm-hmm. done a little bit of that too. Just trying to see if there was some rhyme or reason, even when you look at it for 17 years oh, sure. of her life, you sure. can really, we have a ton of research basically um and there's no rhyme or reason to it there's no set pattern yeah i I think what thing that amazed me is that so when i was with you with your seizure and we walked you inside got you cooled off and you know started coming around drinking a little bit of water the first thing you said to me coach can i go back out on the courts and i said no we need to wait for your mom to come and you know you tried to convince me that you were fine i said no you're gonna sit here until your mom gets here and you did eventually and, but that's just the tenacity in that kid. It's like, and so she was back the next day oh, yeah. for camp, no Nothing. doubt, just playing just like she always does. So, um, I thought that was pretty amazing. And, you know, I knew better than to let you back out there in the heat and, and, uh, just to give you some rest time, you know, as we look at this podcast and I, and I think I've told you about the name, it's called, do I need my racket? And I came up with that because the question came up a few times. And if you listen to our first episode, you'll understand a little bit more about what that means. It, it doesn't necessarily mean a tennis racket. And you and I have had this conversation, I think, when we started talking about me interviewing you for this podcast. So if you had to kind of metaphorically speak about, do I need my racket? What, what would be your racket? How would you describe that, Hannah? Do I need to keep going or just rest? True. Maybe? Right. Right. Um, what about you, Sarah? How would you describe that? It's kind of a meta. It's a. It's a. It's a different answer for everybody. Um. So I think the thing as we move into the next stage, and I, you know, I might be jumping ahead, but uh, like in, in general, we we have conversations here about what that's going to look like Mm -hmm. because it's, it's a different situation when you have some health issues that could interfere with your safety in some ways, like 
Hannah has us and she needs to keep us there. Right. We're, we're in her court for sure. Right. Um, right. Uh, because we will continue and we have told her we're, we're always going to be there, whether you want us to be or not. But and if you need us, we'll be there in a heartbeat. So what that looks like, we don't know because we're going to have to just walk that road um, and, and go through that. But she does know that she has full support of us and that we'll continue. I think it's a... Um, it's a unique situation when you are given the, the the hand that Hannah has been dealt because you can do one of two things with it. You can move forward and not let it control every aspect of your life. So on the good days, we call it the good days when we aren't experiencing seizures, we live our life and we don't talk about our epilepsy all the time and we just try to enjoy life. And then on those hard days, they're minimal, like the amount of time that she's having a seizure when you look at it in the grand scheme of your day, but it does then affect the whole day. It sure can it does. for multiple people in our life, but it's the, the gifts outweigh the difficulty most days. Absolutely. So, um, uh, of that. And it just, it's a road yeah. that we'll just keep walking together. Yeah. And Hannah, I think you're going to put doubters to rest your whole life, you know, I think you, you've come so far that I think this guy's it's, it's unlimited for possibilities for you. What do you think about that? Well, I think, um, I feel like some people think like, I'm afraid that people see my seizures mm-hmm. and I mean, it's a little concerning. Cause like, what if they don't like me anymore? Sure. But I just try to think like, well, what the world says about what I have doesn't change me as an individual. No, it doesn't. Um, Absolutely. And so... That's your racket right there, girlfriend. Yeah. That's your racket. Because, like, I know I was kicked off a volleyball team once because we didn't trust the coach anymore once he got scared of a seizure. Then I'm just like, well, I'll just try to find new things. And now I'm into tennis instead of volleyball. Good. I'm glad you're in tennis. Really happy to have you on the team. (laughs) Yep. I'm glad I can do it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, I think this is going to wrap it up for this episode two of Hannah's story. I want to thank Hannah and Sarah for joining me this afternoon and inviting me into your house to do this interview. Um, Hannah, I think, like I said before this, it's just unlimited. You've you've beat all the doubters and all the naysayers your whole life. I think you're just going to continue to do that Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. And continue to show that bright smile of yours all the time. (laughs) Yeah. After the interview, I asked Hannah and her mother, Sarah, if there was one more thing they would want the world to know about grand mal seizures and epilepsy. And here's what they told me. That when you have seizures or you have a member in your family that has grand mal seizures, people tend to stay away because of fear or what is unknown. And generally, kids like Hannah aren't the ones chosen for interviews like these. Well... I can tell you currently, 50 million people worldwide have epilepsy, making it the most common neurologic disease globally. Don't stay away or be afraid, because just maybe 
you might catch that one person in your arms that needs you the most and add one more beautiful thread to the tapestry of your life and theirs. All right, so just need to give a shout out again to Tudor Big, Big Sound Lighting for producing this podcast, creating and producing the original theme music for the podcast, and we're just going to go out listening to a little bit of that music. For more information about In Her Name Foundation, visit our website at inhernamefoundation.org. Join us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our newsletter or make a donation. We look forward to meeting all of you again and sharing our next episode of Inspiration. Until then, see you next time and be prepared to bring your racket.